and welcome to the latest Prezcast. This week, I'm talking to our national policy leads. They're Heidi Wright, Jonathan Lloyd-Jones and Aileen Bryson. They're always beavering away on our members' behalf, but for the past couple of months, the only game in town has been COVID-19. Country teams have been uh, working together to tackle the key issues, but there's sometimes subtle differences between the nations. So I'm going to go to Heidi Wright first. Hello, Heidi. Hi, Sandra. What were your key policy priorities at the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, thanks, Sandra. We've been doing a day job <laughs> throughout this pandemic, but just trying to work with governments, NHS bodies, all the main sort of key stakeholders on a huge range of issues and trying to highlight and make sure that everyone's fully aware of what the profession requires to operate in a safe and effective way and to ensure that pharmacists and their teams are included in national policies, guidance and other resources that are being developed. So we're really trying to make sure that everyone recognises the crucial role that pharmacists and their teams play, both during the pandemic and in everyday normal practice. So as you said, our whole sole focus during the pandemic has been on helping and supporting pharmacists and the wider pharmacy teams. So the first area we focused on was making sure that pharmacists and their teams that were working out there on the front line were protected. And we looked at this in several different ways. So firstly, we looked at PPE and recognised that pharmacists and their teams working on the front line needed to have um, PPE that was of the right quality and adequate supplies of it. And we've been fairly successful in that. We do know that there are still issues around um, supply of PPE and we're continuing to work on that. So secondly, we wanted to make sure that pharmacists and their teams were included as frontline staff um, in terms of testing. And we know that's happening now across the three countries and pharmacists and pharmacy members of staff are having access to different testing. And then thirdly, we worked very closely with the police force because we were hearing um, stories where pharmacists and members of staff were being um, abused and there were uh, aggressive and violent behaviour from some members of the public. Now, the majority of the members of the public have been really well behaved and supportive of pharmacists and their teams. But there have been a few instances where um, members of the public have been abusive. And if this is still happening, we just please ask pharmacists to report this to the police. Actually, I have noticed um, when I've been working that we've occasionally had a police patrol near the pharmacy. So somehow the messages got through because they don't know where the president's working. So um, the staff <laughs> have commented that they had actually seen um, a greater police presence in some areas yeah and as i say we've worked closely with the police to increase their awareness that that's needed around pharmacies and then also the mental health and well-being of um, pharmacists and their teams is really important to us so we've been working with pharmacist support and the mental wealth academy to provide a whole range of resources um, we're doing a fortnightly Facebook Live event, which is going really well. And we've got a hub on our website, which has got an access to a whole range of resources. Um, and we've also worked with governments and NHS organisations across the three countries so that pharmacists and their staff have access to the nationally provided health and wellbeing services. And we're hoping that this continues once the pandemic eases off. 
And particularly in England, because obviously in Scotland and Wales, prescription charges don't apply. But in England, we've called for the removal of prescription charges during the pandemic period. Um, and the reason for this is about reducing risk of transmission, uh, supporting patients' access to medicines, as well as obviously freeing up some time for pharmacists. Yeah, I think that becomes more and more important because now we've got more volunteers picking up um, prescriptions, not always just for the elderly. And there's often confusion around what category of exemption there is. Um, I know the DH were working on this and looking at it, but I'm told it's very complex. How complex it can be to say, just stop collecting the money. I don't really know, but um, that's what we've been told. Yeah, and I'd agree with you on that one, Sandra. But yeah, it's something we're still working on. Um, and then another key priority for us that we were hearing from our members was around recognition. So initially, there was a lack of recognition, should we say, for pharmacists and pharmacy teams in the national communications and support that was coming out. So we obviously know how hard pharmacy teams are working. They're under huge amounts of pressure to support the public and the NHS. And the times are really challenging for everybody. So we demanded of government that they show greater support, that they show greater recognition of the work that pharmacists and their teams are doing every day. And that is happening now. So we've heard prime minister and other ministers making references to the work of pharmacists in their speeches. And we've recently seen the Royal Family tweets, which also recognise the amazing work of the profession. And we also lobby to make sure that all members of the pharmacy teams are listed as key workers so that they receive the benefits that come with that, such as access to schools for the children, um, access to protected times at supermarkets and access to death in service benefit payments. So we've had to fight for these and ideally, you know, pharmacists would be included from the beginning, but we're starting to see that come through. Um, and we've also been successful in making sure that pharmacists were part of the NHS funded and state backed indemnity insurance scheme and that they can be fast tracked for DBS checks. Yeah, lots of stuff going on and um, a lot of success there. So uh, thank you um, for that. Um, I'm going to go to John now. Um, and ask, how have these policy priorities evolved during the last couple of months? Thanks, Sandra. So we continue to, to focus on the policy ask covered by Heidi. However, as time has gone on with engagement with our members, the wider profession and beyond, there's been lots of other issues raised and this has led to lots of other key policy asks. So ensuring that patients have access to the supply of essential medicines during the COVID pandemic has been critical. It's, it's become clear that pharmacists needed contingency plans in place to mitigate the potential effects the COVID pandemic could have on medicine supply. We've worked really hard to develop guidelines at the RPS to support pharmacists, and we've lobbied other stakeholders to develop usable contingency plans for pharmacists to be able to use. During the initial stage of the pandemic, many patients were ordering bulk, uh, were bulk ordering their prescriptions. I experienced that when I was working as a locum uh, during the pandemic, and it was really difficult to manage. We worked really hard to communicate with patients, prescribers and pharmacists, ways they could manage the ongoing supply of medicines. So we, we developed guidance, which is available on the website, and it covers issues such as sticking to regular prescription patterns and durations, and when patients should order their next prescription. 
We also had concerns about critical care medication. And in this instance, we called for robust plans to take into account flexible uh, plans for returning, reusing and the storage of these medicines. We still believe at the RPS that the pharmacists could do a lot more to manage ongoing supply issue of medicines. And one of our policy asks for the government is to look to amend the legislation to allow pharmacists to use their clinical knowledge in a more efficient way. Uh, we're, we're first asking the pharmacists to be able to make simple substitutions, such as amending capsules to tablets or giving two fluoxetine 20 milligram, for example, instead of a 40 milligram. Further, further details on this can be found on our website under the shortages policy. Yeah, that stuff's a no-brainer, really, though, isn't it? It's what we all used to do anyway years ago, and uh, we just sort it out with a doctor. But life seems so much more complicated these days. And certainly Scotland, we'll hear from Aileen in a minute, that Scotland do seem to have a, um, a much more flexible approach to this. Yeah, it's, it's a big frustration in practice, definitely, Sandra. I agree there. Another aspect we looked at was substance misuse services provided by community in the community by pharmacists. So at the RPS, we call for contingency plans to avoid interruptions in this service um, for injecting equipment as well as supply of medicines, because these this group of people really are at increase of overdose, bloodborne viral infections and drug related deaths to, to more of an extent during this pandemic. Um, whilst talking about this, I think it's a good opportunity, by the way, to point out the ethical framework that we developed. So shortages uh, and not ha not having the services available can lead to some really difficult ethical decisions, uh, which I'm sure most of our listeners can identify with. And the ethical framework is a great support for making difficult making difficult professional decisions. Um, we realise that many pharmacists are struggling uh, fun struggling for funding and resources. And we continue to call for support to help the pharmacy network supply medicines to the public. Uh, with this, we've called for support with deliveries to vulnerable patients and the wider public, a flexible approach to contract requirements to enable pharmacy teams to focus on patient care and additional funding for pharmacy to support their resilience and sustainability. And this would help to prevent closures, improve cash flow and reduce the risk of job losses. And there, there are many other topics, Sandra, that we could talk about that we've discussed and lobbied for. Um, it's been a challenging time, but um, lots of things to look at. Yeah, thank you very much for that update. Uh, last but by no means least, we go to Aileen in Scotland. So what wins have there been? Hi, Sandra, and to my fellow policy leads, uh, Jonathan and Heidi. Yeah, uh, lovely to uh, be meeting with you this way this afternoon. Um, We've been really pleased to see many of the original policy asks now implemented. One of the biggest challenges we've had is that while doctors and nurses are automatically included in any of the health policy, pharmacists just are not. And we've had to work hard to make sure the profession's included in some of the new initiatives. And that's been particular for community pharmacists. Um, you've also talked already about some of the, the, the differences between the three countries and trying to get the same principles applied across the three countries has also been challenging but we're pleased with what we've achieved so far. Um, 
we're trying to get equity across the three countries and it is, it is difficult to get a level play, you know, playing field but we are you know keeping going on that one to try and um, get that for everybody. Um, Heidi already touched on some of our successes and um, getting recognition for the profession in the media for key worker status and on the PPE and testing and it's really heartening to see that pharmacists are almost always now mentioned um, in some of the briefings when they thank the NHS staff and um, we've had both Boris Johnson and Nicola Sturgeon giving us very special mentions, which has been, been good. Um, we've had RPS spokespeople taking every opportunity in the media, including yourself, Sandra, who have been busy, um, speaking to government policymakers just to highlight the work that the pharmacy teams are doing right across practice and right across the three countries. And uh, this week we had the chance um, to appear before the Health Committee in Wales, at the Welsh Parliament, and also we've been given written submissions into Westminster, and we'll soon do the same um, in Scotland, talking about you know, the, the challenges and the way forward of what we've been uh, experiencing through COVID. And we were really pleased to see the major supermarkets actually pay attention to the, the, the lobbying that we did with them to, to get um, access because we had reports of some staff being turned away. Um, and we have heard that some ID cards are now being issued in some health authorities, and, and that's helpful. Um, maybe something that we have to think about for the, the future. And we've also had really positive feedback from pharmacists that they now have lots of access to testing for their household. Um, so that, again, Heidi mentioned that already. That's been, been a positive. Um, the police responded very positively to our concerns about the aggression, and that's been good. And um, it's good to hear you, Sandra, say that you've, you've seen that in action because that's what we've had back, that the police have increased their surveillance locally and that they've also been very quick when there has been an incident to support the pharmacy staff. So that has been really reassuring, and that's been a worthwhile piece of work for us. Um, and... Um, we know that the pharmacists are now included in the dedicated NHS schemes for mental health for England and Wales. Um, one of the other challenges has been the difference of the three governments we have to speak to to try and make sure we, we get that uh, you know the same thing going on each time. That's always been an extra challenge. So in Scotland, we have a national hub, which pharmacy wasn't included in, um, but we've now got RPS listed along with all the other Royal Colleges and, and a link to our resources, including our partners of pharmacist support and the Mental Wellbeing Academy. Um, and John mentioned that we've been responding to other issues as they emerge and sort of calling on governments and speaking to the media to making sure the changes that we call for actually do happen. And the recent death and service one was a big disappointment and that was very demoralising when everyone's working so hard. And we responded really quickly to that with letters to the ministers and to pharmacy teams in all three governments. And we're pleased that the pharmacists and their staff are now being included in those schemes across all three countries. Um, and... When yeah, we... really important to mention the staff as well, because people often think we um, only deal with pharmacists. But of course, we can't do our jobs without our staff. So I think, I think the inclusion of the staff was a real win for us there. And the staff are, are even more forgotten sometimes than the pharmacists. So we, yeah. we, we talk about the pharmacists. So I think that, that, that is a really good point because everybody's working really hard and everybody's putting themselves on, on the front line. Uh, and I think one of the successes has been in the public perception also when they see that, uh, particularly in, in community, it's, it's face to face with a health professional, which is not available um, through other means um, at the moment. So we've been really pleased that the flexibility we called for in the regulations ha has come about and the controlled drug 
drug regulations have now been changed. They're only for during the pandemic, um, but at least they've now been laid. That legislation's been laid, and that, that's there for when it's needed. Um, we wanted some guidance about the repurposing um, of the medicines, and we see that's now appeared for each country as well. Uh, and these changes are all very enabling, and they increase the professional autonomy which we have, and that's what we're all looking for in our, our clinical roles. So we've been, they've been, we've been very, they've all been very welcome, and they've made a lot of sense. We hope we can take some of those forward in the in the, the new normal, whatever that happens to be. Yeah, oh, I would love to know what the new normal is going to be and when we're going to get it. But um, I think the pandemic's highlighted that we can do things differently. Uh, we can step up. Um, certainly, I've been very proud of um, RPS. But has the pandemic for you um, highlighted anything else you'll prioritise going forward? Aileen? Well, um, there are lessons to be learned from this um, this pandemic. Um, as I've just mentioned, you, we have to think about how we can work more efficiently across the NHS in future. Um, we're starting to explore this, and we really want to hear from from all pharmacists. Um, one of the big things we're thinking about is how do we get that recognition as part of the NHS healthcare team? As, as I said at the beginning of this, one of the challenges has been that we're just not automatically included in a lot of the healthcare policy. And we want that to change, you know, especially community pharmacists, which I think have felt this particularly when they've been working so hard. Because they're contracted to the NHS, their business is delivery of NHS services, and we think this has to be recognised within the NHS, a, a better integration and parity with the other health professionals who are working you know, in a practice environment rather than a retail environment. But that retail environment's got advantages for the public as well, so they shouldn't be disadvantaged because of that. So we want to start looking at more inclusive ways of, of working to get that recognition um, and address some of the challenges we've seen. And that might include things like you know the NHS pension scheme or various you know other things we've had members you know give us ideas and we're really welcoming everybody's thoughts on this so that we can take it forward definitely I'm sensing um, an appetite I, I mostly deal with England for joining things up more so um, I think the fact we've been there we've had our doors open we we haven't put up the shutters and thought about what we're going to do. We've just got on with delivering services. Um, and I think people have noticed that and realised that actually here is a, a very resilient profession. Um, and I would hope the thank you will come afterwards because it sometimes doesn't feel as it has at the moment. Um, what's it been like in, in Wales, Jonathan? I think the big disadvantage we've had in Wales is the lack of digitisation. So I think the COVID pandemic's really highlighted the advantage of the digitisation. And by this, I mean the electronic prescribing, because um, this could bring, well, it's really brought patient access to timely and effective pharmacy services. So we're, we're really calling on the government, the administrations across Great Britain, as well as Wales, to develop and adopt paper-free electronic prescribing systems to improve patient safety, create efficiencies and contribute to streamlined pathways of care for better patient experiences. We've really heard from pharmacists who have got so many prescriptions like we've described previously, and it's really hard to find them. I think having the electronic record is so much easier. And of course, it avoids the um, chance of you catching COVID by handling paper scripts all day. We've got a couple of other calls that we'd like to go for with the digitalization agenda. So we'd also like to call for patient access to patient records for all pharmacists. And this would fully harness their expertise in medicines management across the healthcare system. 
And we're calling for all pharmacists to have full read and write access to patient health records. We'd also like to create the infrastructure for remote consultations with pharmacists to increase patient access to pharmacy, pharmacy advice and services. We've noticed over the pandemic that many GPs have turned to this and some community pharmacists have done that and had with great success. And we're hearing in Wales that there is going to be a rollout of um, a video consultation. So that would be great. Also, sounds, I was going to say, it sounds like you're ahead of England with the video consultation. So um, I, I, th I think we'll take that one and uh, use the Welsh example to push it if it works well. well. Sounds good. And then also to make the most of this digitisation, we need to improve access, safety and responsiveness to these. So we call for a move to presume consent or opt out consent for community pharmacists. We're hearing too often uh, people having to send drivers out to get forms signed before they're able to do some of these services over the phone or by video, which is really frustrating uh, for all and quite time consuming as well. Yeah, definitely. Bureaucracy can get in the way sometimes. So thanks for that. Um, now to Heidi, uh, how can people influence RPS policies in the future because I think what's been great and um, correct me if I'm wrong is we've had quite a lot of queries from members and those have been used to prioritise the work so if there's been a lot of questions about PPE that will have um, prompted that to go to the top of the to-do list as it were. Um, how's that going to work going forward? Yeah, thanks, Sandra, for asking that. So you're quite right. The intelligence we've been gathering across the organisation has prompted the formation of policies. So rightly, PPE was a, a big ask right at the beginning and continues to be in some areas. Um, so we're gathering intelligence from a huge range of areas. So through social media, through the queries that are coming into the support team, through what we're hearing generally um, from the pharmacy profession. So some of the changes that have been happening to pharmacy practice during this pandemic, they, they're really good and we'd like to see them continue after the pandemic. So some of the changes to regulations and legislation that have happened potentially could help to transform um, pharmacy practice in the future. So this is where we're kind of looking at focusing our efforts moving forwards. Um, you know, how, how do we want the future to look like for pharmacists? So we obviously want to support pharmacists and their teams to shape and also to adapt to the new landscape that's coming about because of this pandemic. So we've started an engagement process with pharmacists and external stakeholders about what the future for pharmacy might look like. So yesterday, which was May the 14th, um, we released a survey to start this engagement process. And obviously we're encouraging as many people as possible to complete it. It only takes about five to 10 minutes. So if you haven't seen it, please do go onto our website um, and access it and complete it. And then on the 22nd of May, um, Sandra, yourself and our board chairs are gonna be hosting a Facebook Live at one o'clock in the afternoon. And that's gonna start to explore what our future policies might look like. And again, we would encourage everyone to engage with this either at the time or later as you can watch the Facebook Live events um, later on too. So the outcomes from this survey and from the wider engagement, um, and we are going to engage with external stakeholders as well, this will help us to inform and shape our future policy asks and support our lobbying activity. So as well as the survey, we welcome any communication through any of our channels, 
Um, throughout the pandemic, we've seen a lot of really good engagement on our social media channels, and we welcome ideas and suggestions through these platforms. So please do engage with us and share any ideas and examples that you can think of. Thanks for that, Heidi. And I really do hope that our, our members get involved and help us shape this because uh, the way we've worked during COVID, I think we've been I hate the word, but it's very buzzy, very agile at this time. We've um, responded to things in a, in a very timely fashion and uh, we have had, I, I think, some very quick wins. And that's down to not just yourselves, but all the staff who work with you as well. So any final thoughts before we finish for this week? No, I mean, I'd just like to say a big thank you to all our members and pharmacists and pharmacy staff who are out there working on the front line doing an amazing job and we are doing our best to support you out there and it's great having any feedback at all it's really valuable to us and we take it all on board so please feedback feed feed in any information to us please we want to hear from you please engage with the survey uh, stay safe over the weekend thank you